0: i am excited about these moments together you know this is such an interesting time we're trying to on one hand uh do things differently because we have to at the same time trying to keep things a little bit consistent this is normally the time in our service when we pass the offering plate so we're going to go ahead and do that ryan thank you very much seriously two bucks but like, that's honestly all you got I left my wallet at home, so that's $2, we're on our way. Hey, I do want to say to you, in all seriousness, uh, there are some practical realities of this, uh, and if you can continue to please be faithful in your giving, we have the opportunity to give online. I know a lot of churches uh, who don't have online capabilities are watching this morning, many pastors have said that to me, Uh, give to your church, continue to be faithful to do that so you can bring those things by the church this week, uh, or you can certainly do that online, but just continue to be faithful in that. But this morning, take uh, some time and turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46, as I was praying about what we needed to do this morning and where we needed to be in our time together, the Lord continued to bring my mind back to Psalm 46. One of the interesting things about being a pastor is that we hear a lot. People email us and talk to us and call us and text us and we get all kinds of perspectives. And the last three days has been a season of all kinds of perspectives. On one hand, I've got a group of people who are convinced that this entire thing is a media hoax in order to get Trump, that North Korea is involved, Russia is involved, that it's just the flu, that everyone is overreacting. There's a lot of cynicism out there towards all of this. On the other hand, I'm getting some perspective that people are really, really terrified I mean, they're building bunkers, they're stocking up on toilet paper. Right now, they're feeling a bit symptomatic. They're getting chills and are confident that they're on their way to the coronavirus. On another hand, I have people that aren't scared, but they're just legitimately concerned. I mean, those who maybe work hourly, whose jobs are laying people off here for a few weeks, small business owners, those who have children at home for the next two weeks, trying to navigate these things and figure it out. A lot of people have genuine, legitimate concerns, even above and beyond what's going on with the virus. Just the reality of what's going to happen over the next few weeks is difficult. And then I'm hearing from people who just don't care. (laughs) Just, hey, it is what it is. We're going to be all right. We're going to make it. We've made it through other things before. And no matter what your perspective is, we have to agree that this is a moment. Whether it should be a moment or not be a moment, this is a moment this is a unique moment. Andrew and I were talking last night that we may never experience anything like this in the rest of our life. This is just a really odd, extremely different moment. And it is a moment. And it's a moment in which we have to believe that has been allowed to us by the Lord. It's a moment in which God wants to speak. God wants to say something. To ignore this moment is to ignore that we have a God who speaks through circumstances and through his word in order to give us new and fresh revelation from him. It's also a moment in which our response as the people of God uniquely matters. It's a moment in which from us there needs to be oozing out a calmness, a confidence because of who we are and what we know. It is a moment in which we need to be still. Just be reminded of who God is and what he's doing. And that's exactly the context of Psalm 46. The whole chapter is helpful for us, but particularly verse 10, which says that, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. My goal this morning is not to calm your fears because many of you don't have fear. My goal this morning is to get you to stop and realize that we're in a moment, a moment that matters. And it's a moment in which God wants to speak. And I don't want you to miss what God has to say in this moment. So, before I read Psalm 46, I want to set the context for you. So, if uh, you've got kids there at home, this is story time with Pastor Josh. All right, I just I want to tell you a story from 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. It's recorded a couple of places for us. A pretty exciting story. All of that, which sets up the writing of Psalm 46. So. In the days of Isaiah, when Isaiah was prophesying, everyone lived in the fear of the threat of the Assyrians. The Assyrians had intent to take over the entire known world, and they were known for their brutal and barbaric tactics, both psychological tactics and physical tactics. So every man, woman, boy, and girl grew up in this time having heard the things that the Assyrians had done to other countries. They had heard the psychological warfare. They had heard the stories of what happened when the Assyrians had gone through other nations. They had heard the brutal things that they had done to men and women and boys and girls. I will not go into all of those details, but just know this. There was incredible fear of the Assyrians and awareness that any moment the Assyrians could come. Now, this was especially frightening for the people of Judah because Judah bordered Assyria. So the people of Judah were aware that at some moment, the Assyrians were finally gonna turn their attention south and start to head to Judah. And that's exactly what happened in the days of Isaiah. Then, In the days of Isaiah, when Hezekiah was king of Judah, the Assyrians decided to come and to begin to take Judah. Hezekiah was a good king. He loved God. He took down the high places of idol worship. He wanted to honor the Lord, but the Assyrians were coming and they were breathing their threats, and you just can't imagine what it would have been like to be anyone living in Judah at this time, knowing all the potential that could happen when the Assyrians came. Best case scenario, they get taken away from their family, captured and made slaves in another place. Best case scenario, knowing the Assyrians were on the move. And they were. They begin to take little cities throughout Judah, and all of a sudden, at one moment, they decided that it was time to take the walled city of Jerusalem. So Hezekiah tried to make peace. He brought in the king of Assyria and gave him all of the silver they had and all of the gold to the extent that Hezekiah took the doors off of the temple that were made of gold and gave them to the king of Assyria in order to appease them and to keep them away. But no matter what Hezekiah did, it didn't work. That they continued to advance and continued to breathe threats to the people. Until the time in which hundreds of thousands of troops, some would say over 500,000 troops, with all of their chariots and all of their weapons of warfare now surrounded the city of Jerusalem. Imagine this moment. All of a sudden, this is no longer a distant threat of what Assyria had done to someone else. This was an imminent threat. They were right outside of the walls. The leaders of the Assyrian army sent some representatives into Judah and began to tell the leaders of the army of Judah what they were about to do. They mocked them, and they taunted them. The leaders of the Assyrian army actually began to speak in Hebrew, the language of the people of Judah, and say to them, whatever you do, do not listen to King Hezekiah. No god of any people has ever stood against the king of Assyria and won. Do not side with Hezekiah. Surrender to us now, your God cannot save you. It continued to escalate until one moment Hezekiah got a letter, which was stating that what was going to happen is that the Assyrians were going to come in, and because they had not surrendered, to destroy them all. Hezekiah took the letter, he went into the temple, and he got on his face before God. He was the leader of the people, the one responsible to protect the people, And the only thing he knew to do when hundreds of thousands of soldiers were outside of the walls is to just get down on his knees before God. So here's what you have. You have one man on his knees in the temple and hundreds of thousands of soldiers outside the walls. It's one man on his knees versus hundreds of thousands of soldiers with their weapons. Now, humanly speaking, Hezekiah doesn't have a chance. Humanly speaking, Judah doesn't have a chance. They're going to invade. But here's what happened. Listen to this. That night, after Hezekiah got on his knees and pled with the Lord to protect them, that night, God sent an angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord went outside of the walls of Jerusalem and in one night killed 185,000 of the Assyrian troops in one moment. To put that in perspective, that's more than the population of Clark and Oconee County. In one moment, all of these soldiers standing against the people of God, mocking and taunting the people of God and the Lord Himself, 185,000 destroyed in a moment. So, as you can imagine, the, the rest of the soldiers woke up in the morning. They saw the destruction all around them. There's dead soldiers everywhere. They're terrified. They retreat. They go back home. And God saves His people. It's one of the great stories of the Old Testament. And it is out of that moment that the people of God write a song. That song is Psalm 46. It's got a couple of stanzas, it's got a chorus, and it's got a bridge. You can see it, Psalm 46, the the first verse they sing about God's protection and how it gives them courage. Look at verses one through three. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. You can't paint a picture any more dramatic than they do in verses two and three. The earth giving way, the mountains moving into the heart of the sea, the waters roaring and foaming, the mountains trembling. But it says, even in the midst of that moment, when everything literally is crumbling around us, We will not be afraid because God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In that first verse, they sing to God's protection and how it gives them courage. In the next verse, they sing of God's presence and how it gives them joy. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nation's rage The kingdom's totter, he utters his voice and the earth melts. That river right there is a picture of the presence of God. That in the midst of everything going on around them, there is a river that is flowing through the people of God. That river is the presence of God. And where the presence of God is, there is joy. They're singing and giving testimony that God's protection gives them courage. That God's presence gives them joy. And then they sing the chorus. It's in verse 7. Here's the chorus of the song. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. They sing it again in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's the chorus of the song. They sing the verses and then they repeat the chorus. And what they're singing when they sing that chorus is they're worshiping what is given to us this phrase over 200 times in the Old Testament, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies. Not only the Lord of the heavenly armies, but the Lord over all of the armies of the world. In other words, they are rejoicing in the sovereignty of our God and the almighty power of our God. They're rejoicing in the fact that there is no supreme authority other than the supreme authority of the Lord. That the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all the armies, he's with us. So you you can put a 100,000. Hundreds of thousands of Syrian troops outside of the gates. But listen, the Lord of that army and the Lord of all the armies, he's on on our side. So that when Hezekiah gets on his knees and he prays for something to happen, that God can send one angel of the Lord in one moment and destroy 185,000 soldiers. Why? Because he's the Lord of hosts. Because all the armies and all the forces ultimately belong to him. They say God of Jacob is our fortress, that we're not protected by the walls of Jerusalem. Those walls would not have done much good if the Assyrian army decided to attack. No, 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 no. Our fortress is the Lord God himself. We are safe, not because we're protected by anything that humans can create. We're protected because of the Lord God. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And the message of the song is actually quite simple. The message is this. When God is your fortress, you don't have to be afraid. When God is your fortress, you don't have to be afraid. That the Lord of hosts is with us. That the God of Jacob is our fortress. That we're not protected by anything ultimately other than the Lord himself. And no human protection that you can ever get for anything. Ultimately, is greater than the protection that God gives us. And every human protection in the world will at some point crumble. And the only protection that will matter is the protection of the Lord. The people of God, having experienced what God can do, are saying, yeah, the Lord of hosts is on our side. It's exactly what would allow Paul in Romans 8.31 to say, wait a minute, if, if God is for us, who could be against us? That height or depth or... Death, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because as New Testament believers, we know that we are united with Christ in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Meaning that the victory that Christ won is ours. And we have been united with Christ in such a way that the victorious one, Jesus Christ, is with us. Has guaranteed our ultimate salvation. That we rest in the confidence that as the people of God, that we are safe. In Christ, he is our refuge. But The song ends with a bridge that's a bit different. Look at what it does in verse 8. The psalm ends with an invitation. Come, behold the work of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. They just saw that. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. They just saw that. And he burns the chariots with fire. Now, now, listen to this. You're going to love this part. Listen. Whenever you had a battlefield like this, so outside of the walls of Jerusalem where 185,000 soldiers, all of their weapons, their chariots that are just left there in this massive battlefield. The only way that you could clean up a battlefield like that is that you would burn it. This is a really common practice. So you would set the battlefield on fire in order to clean it up. Let me tell you what's happening at the moment in which they're writing this song. This is, this is so good. Listen. Is that inside the walls of Jerusalem are a group of people that have seen God work. They've seen the salvation of the Lord. They're rejoicing in his protection. They're rejoicing in his presence. And they're watching as billows of smoke rise from the battlefield up into heaven. And every single billow of smoke that rises from that battlefield up to heaven is a testimony to the goodness and the power and the grace and the kindness of the Lord. They're watching. And... They're inviting us to come and to watch the smoke rise because the smoke is a testimony to the power of God. It is a reminder of what God can do. So when it says he burns the chariots with fire, he's saying God is showing us what he is able to do. So come, I'm inviting you. Let's look together at what God is able to do. And here we are thousands of years later being invited into the story listening to the testimony of those who've experienced the goodness of God and saying, would you stand with us and watch the smoke rise from the battlefield, every single billow rising up to heaven as an act of worship, reminding us of who our God is. Come, behold, look what our God is able to do. But then something interesting happens in verse 10. This is completely out of the blue that all of a sudden you'll notice verse 10 begins with quotation marks. You notice that? Look at your Bible. Verse 10, there's quotation marks. For the first time, someone else is speaking. There's no other quotation marks. This is a song, a declaration of praise, God's protection and God's presence, uh, an invitation to come and see what God has done. And then all of a sudden, the song stops and God speaks. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God speaks and he gives a command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. That as we're watching the smoke rise and we're rejoicing in God's protection and God's presence, as we're reminded that the Lord of hosts is with us, God stops and says this, be still for a minute. Be still and be reminded that I'm God. Now, now, let me put in the simplest terms what the Lord is saying in Psalm 4610, all right? I, I'm going to give you the translation of Psalm 4610 in one word. Are you ready? Here it is. Stop. Stop. Why don't you just say it with me right now at home. I know it, it seems awkward. Just say it with me right now. Stop. Say it again, stop. The battle is over. We're aware of what God is able to do. And the Lord says, I I want you for a minute just to stop. Stop singing. Stop talking. Stop moving. Just stop. And allow the awareness of who I am to settle deep inside of your heart. In other words, what the Lord is saying is, I don't want you to miss this moment because I just showed you who I am. And what I want to do is, I want what happened in this moment to be so deeply ingrained into your soul that you walk away from this moment with a deeply rooted, settled, calm confidence in the lord but in order for that to happen you just have to stop you have to be still still enough to hear what the lord is saying still enough to be reminded of who god is still enough to put this moment in perspective now listen to me all week i've been listening to people's responses been amazed at the different responses that I've heard this week. And every time I I hear someone's response and I talk to them and I I sense what's going on in their heart, I just want to look at them and I want to say, hey, 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 stop. Stop for a minute. I mean, last night I I had to go take a walk. I, I felt so much anxiety over all of this, not because of the virus, but just the decisions that needed to be made this week and wanting to make the right decision. And literally, as I was meditating on this text, I thought, I got I to just, I got to go. I got to leave my phone at home. I've got to get out. I've got to take a walk. I've just got to stop long enough to hear from the Lord, to stop long enough to let the calmness of God rest in my heart, to stop long enough to put everything in perspective, to just stop. Now listen to me, no matter how you view this situation, it's a moment, it's a moment. And God wants to say something to you in this moment. God wants to speak in this moment. And if you don't stop and listen, you'll miss everything he wants to do. I'm just begging you, when you wake up in the morning, Don't check your phone. Don't check your phone. It can wait. When you wake up in the morning, don't turn on the television. Take a minute before any of those other things and just stop and open up this word. Because let me tell you something. You have no idea whether what you're getting on the news is true. I assure you every word in this book is true. You need truth. Just stop and listen. And then when you go to bed at night, instead of letting your phone be the last thing you look at or the television be the last thing you look at, just stop and open up the word of God. Just for a moment, just listen. And throughout the day, when you feel the anxiety starting to rise, that anxiety is a call to just stop and let God speak. No matter how you view this thing, whether you're cynical towards it or sarcastic towards it, whether you're terrified by it or just genuinely concerned by it, all I know is this. The God in this moment has something to say. I'm just begging you to listen. As you do, it will not only change you, but it will change all of those around you. And all of a sudden there will be a supernatural calmness and confidence in God that will be noticeable to everyone around you. And What a testimony to the power of our God. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.